Hello, thank you for joining us on Conversations with Robbie Sherman. I'm your titular host, Robbie Sherman, and today we have Alex Wong from The Story of Community, a really great podcast about the making and life of Community, the TV show. Thank you for joining me, Alex. Thank you so much for having me, Robbie. Glad to be here. Hey, you've been having a good day, pal? Yeah, it's nice and, and sunny here, so yeah, can't complain. <laughs> Yeah, I was uh, told it was going to be raining all day, but now it is perfectly sunny and nice. <laughs> I know our recording was, was up in the air, whether it was going to happen today, but looks like we're on. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry if I uh, got you nervous. <laughs> no worries. So you've worked with uh, many of my friends in the community, podcasting community, to help get your podcast together. And you, you did a really excellent job summing up, you know, the major elements of the community story. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the coolest parts of, of doing this was to get to meet all of the other community podcasters and really get introduced to this. I, I've said it so many times, but like introduced to this community, you know, haha. Um, but I, I never, I had no idea when I, cause I, I, the only one that I had really known about was, was six seasons. Um, and then I, to learn about that, there's, you know, 10 others that all do different things was extremely cool. Yeah. It's a, it's wild to me how big that blew up. Like I just, I, I guess I have a small role in the community podcasting. I wouldn't call it small. Uh, I, you know, I just did some sound engineering, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that big. Um, I wish I had had the, the programs I have now <laughs> when I was doing that. Cause I was like waiting hours on end for things to like process simply so I could hear like one playback and know what I needed to do after that. Like, um, that, that Ken Jong episode, I would say took like 14 hours, <laughs> just like yeah. solid, like waiting around. Yeah, I did. For me, I did my own sound engineering. And as someone who's never really had to seriously sound engineer anything, it was something that looking in retrospect, I wish I'd asked around a little bit more <laughs> people like you and say, um, hey. is there a quicker way to do this? Hey, Alex, anytime you want a tip, you know, or even if you just need a hand, you let me know and I'll, I'll be happy to give you one. Thank you. Yeah. But it was it was it was fun. But the sound engineering, yeah. Looking back on it, it there were definitely places where I could have sped up the process. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. You live and learn. You know. Um, this is your first podcast, right? I had like dab briefly dabbled with like this sport in high school. I dabbled with this like sports talk thing where I just like blabbed into a mic for half an hour and got five of my friends to listen to it but nothing really at this scale yeah um i i feel it buddy i had never done the level of podcasting work that i ended up doing when i was working with alex um yeah like it it really kind of threw me for a loop too because like i'd been engineering my own like recordings for a while but that's a different type of beast when you actually have to do something for somebody else and then you realize like how yeah. many things you you have to learn how to work to learn program <laughs> i mean yeah and everything was being done over over zoom too right so it's um i'm not much sure 
yeah, how everything exactly everything was being done. He would just send me files. He wouldn't even oh, tell me what, oh. yeah, he wouldn't even tell me what he was recording through. So this is the first time I'm hearing anything about Zoom or I, I think he started using other programs at one point just to try to get something easier. I, I can't tell you the whole history of that. It's boring technical stuff anyways. It's not fun. We're, we're here to talk about community. <laughs> um, yesterday was the anniversary of Pillows and Blankets. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I know. Um, the community's account, uh, Matt and I believe Mike, who run it, and I think Kevin is the third administrator now. I mean, the the volume of management they do and tweeting anniversaries and stuff is just insane. <laughs> yeah, I can't keep all this stuff in my head. I'm a huge community fan. You know, I love the show, but I, I just find... I, I just I'm so bogged down in like dates and things already for just stuff I have to do in my own life that <laughs> keeping track of a, the anniversaries of a every TV show episode is insane to me. But God bless them, I'm glad they do it because it helps me keep track of them too. Yeah, there's a they have like a whole spreadsheet and it's it's very regimented. <laughs> this is the reason why we may someday get a movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm a. I'm so thankful that uh, you're part of our podcasting community. You know, I, I'm. I'm thankful you came on to my show to talk about community. Um, do you Do you want to just tell us about your history with community, like as a viewer? Yeah. So even though I made this whole like story of community or whatever, I actually just I, I actually watched it for the first time October or November of 2019. Like. <laughs> I, I'm a newcomer to the space. Yeah, yeah, and, you're a, you're a little younger too than yes, some of yes. The other <laughs> yeah, I don't. I think if I were to have watched it live, I would have been like, I don't know, twelve or something. But yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe a little early for you, but yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think the only show I wasn't really watching any any shows at the time. That was still when I was like weaning off of of Disney Channel, you know. <laughs> What were you watching on Disney Channel? Well, ooh, that's interesting. Uh, I have to think back. I mean, when I was really young, there's a show called Handy Manny that I used to watch all the time. I remember that thing, yeah. Yeah, that and Mickey Mouse, a lot of Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and that. Did you enjoy the uh, House of Mouse show? Did you ever come across that? I don't think I ever came across that. Um, That was like a little compilation thing that Disney did where they took like shorts that were developed, you know, to be used across different things. And then they kind of meshed it together with this like nightclub thing where Mickey ran a nightclub with all these other Disney characters. And it was like heroes from and villains from the Disney universe would show up and hang out and have drinks, I guess. Um, yeah, it it wasn't fantastic. It has a it has some things in it that are okay, but it wasn't fantastic. It's not. Ter- I I don't think it has a giant cult audience the way community does for sure. Um, yeah, but, uh, I think it's targeting a smaller audience too. Yeah, yeah, and it's really of its of its time, like back because it came out around like late ninety nine, two thousand, two thousand one. Mm. It may have been two thousand one. But it's a, it's kind of at the end of like the the big band rockabilly revival thing. Like Brian Setzer who does the main theme for it. It it feels really out of time now. <laughs> yeah, uh, those are good times though. I know sometimes every once in a while I 
flip back over just to see, but then I don't recognize any of the shows anymore. Um, uh, um, there's a really great show I watch uh, from Disney called The Owl House. If you haven't gotten around to it, it's is a, that one of the like adult show or like the teenage shows or the junior shows? Um, I guess it's more of a teenage show. It has much more mature themes. It's about this human girl who finds her way into a like nether world populated by demons and witches. Like all the mythology of earth earth kind of originates from this nether world and she ends up becoming an apprentice. So witch. it, yeah, it's very progressive. It's a great show. If you ever get around to watching it. Huh? Interesting. Uh, so anyway, uh, I think we digress a little, um, but, yeah, so I, I started it in November 19, and I watched it in about a month and a half, I think. So I, I cannot I, I cannot binge. I cannot true binge. That's just... Yeah, I have I think, too much going on. Uh, yeah, like, I got Daredevil through Disney+, Plus, and I can only watch, like, one or two episodes at a time, because I can't yeah. <laughs> make myself do that. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm three at a time, because uh without commercials it's i think about an hour if you do that for network shows so yeah yeah so that, um, that that's a nice chunk of my night you know did it like immediately grab you when you started going through it you know it's been a while i i, I think it did uh it was i i think i really gravitated toward the the study group dynamic i think like a lot of people actually one of the one of the funny stories i they're not funny but unique stories that I tell about the first time I watched a show was that uh, the first time through, I actually liked season one better than season two. Oh, uh, which is, you know, a different opinion. Um, just because I, I like more of the, I guess the sort of uh, less outlandish themes sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, yeah. Yeah. I kind of feel the same way you do because I had the season one DVD package before I had anything else and I would just put it on all the time. And I loved how it it had to be a regular sitcom because they're just, they're trying to survive on this network that is so pedestrian a lot of the time. And then you just see all this stuff that's breaking out of it because it doesn't want to be a regular sitcom. Yeah, yeah. It wants to be the thing that is like bursting with intense pop culture references and big yep. character moments and like huge visuals. It's yeah. I yeah. I was hooked from the very beginning. Um, what 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 what's particularly about season one most captivated you? Would you like to? Would you care to elaborate? Uh, I don't know. It's it's I mean, the chemistry jumps off the page, obviously. I'm trying to think back exactly to anything in particular. But uh I, I'm kind of a sucker for holiday episodes. So the first Christmas episode I really liked. Um Yeah, I it's I, I think it was just it just seemed pretty comfortable in its own skin very early on and not afraid to, um, I don't know, like prevent, present typical themes and with new characters. And, you know, I always liked that. Totally. Totally. Who was your favorite character to begin with? 
Probably. I, I really should be more prepared with these questions. I don't know. It's just. No, it's okay. I'm just like flying. I don't, it's kind of like for me. It's like when I watch when I watch like 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 when I like when I talk about sports, people ask me like, "Who's your favorite player?" Usually, I don't really have one because I just like I root for the team, and like the yeah. jersey comes first. You know. Yeah. I'm kind of the same way with TV shows, but. Yeah, yeah, I feel it. I don't uh, partake in top ten questions or anything yeah. like that. I look back through my posts sometimes, like if I make an offhand comment that's like, "Oh, well, this would probably be like a number four or five. Maybe I put maybe I put that down and I think about it later." But really, I don't even have like a full on running top ten at any time because I don't have time to keep track of. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't mean I don't love my stuff you know any less yeah than yeah very very time consumed just say they're all great uh i'm, I'm not gonna go that far <laughs> even with this shit. yeah i guess i guess i i mean it's kind of cliche but i mean i like the the charisma of of joel McHale and and what he brought to the table i thought it was really fun i'm but, a i'm yeah. a big joel McHale fan um He's probably one of my favorite parts about the show. His his manic con artist energy, mm-hmm. like at the beginning, is part of what hooked me to it. Because when he has that whole little like speech with the lunch lady, like this, he he makes this very awkward like yeah, joke, yeah, yeah. like simming from '90s sitcoms, and it's just yeah. Like there was no other like NBC sitcom I had seen open like that. Like with a character being so frustratingly like narrow and self-minded, while also being like charming and like showing he was capable of commanding a room. Yeah, those are. I mean, what what's nice about Community too is like some shows like you could tell that they're trying to be too nice. I don't know, that's the right word, but uh, yeah, you can use it. Sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, just you know, Community is not afraid to be a little out there and and have characters that maybe you didn't necessarily get right away. And like, I, sometimes I, when I, everyone's like, I, I try not to scroll through Twitter a lot, but sometimes when I do, like I see people being like, Oh, I don't get why people like Jeff, you know? Well, I mean, you know, I, I think like as a young man, when I discovered it, I was 16 and, you know, I, I was able to watch it from the premiere. So I think as a young man, like we have these like, classic archetypes who are mm-hmm. people that are charming but morally gray um, right right you know there are there's there's different ways you could take it to you could you could also apply it to cartoon character types like Lupin the third you know people that like do good things but aren't necessarily good people all the time or even the stuff with sort of like anti-heroes i mean i i don't watch too many of like oh yeah yeah Mad totally. Mad breaking bad but You're right. Yeah, Walter White and what Yeah, I read a whole article a while ago that was like how, you know, ever since Tony Soprano, it's become a huge thing. Yeah, um, I I like a lot of stuff that's like anti-hero, like related. Like I'm really into the boys at a Amazon superhero mm. show, if you've ever been through that. Um, I, I like the, I like moral complexity <laughs> in my pop culture. Um, yeah. Why don't you tell us how the podcast came about? You know, what gave you the idea to do the story of community? Yeah. So that sort of started during when we were locked down uh, at the very start. And 
uh, all these people were going on to community. I mean, I wasn't really on Twitter at the time and I, I still try not to be on Twitter that much, but uh, even on things like Reddit or just searching the internet, I mean, you notice that so, so many people were, were glomming on the community. What I, I noticed was that, because by, by that time I had seen the show, and all these people were talking about how great of a show it was, and I realized that, you know, part of what made it so great and why so many people were attached to it was because of all the crazy stuff that happened behind the scenes, you know? Like, I mean, how could you not get attached to it when when it goes off the air four different times and there's so much, you know, love and also drama with the cast and it's it's almost like a like a game where you can just follow it, you know. And totally. sorry. I just I just said totally. It's- yeah. And so I wanted to make it so that people who were watching the show either for the first time or again could you know, follow along with the with the behind the scenes stuff and really know sort of what was going on and but without getting without getting anything spoiled which was the big thing because obviously now you can go back and be like okay you know what happened during community in 2010 or something or what happened you know why did dan Harmon get fired but then if you search that then you would know that he got rehired so then it's like well great uh, or even worse you know you get obviously you get spoilers from the show even though community later on there wasn't too much to spoil but but you know, you you didn't know that if you were watching it for the first time, and so right, right. yeah. And uh, what's great about having you do this is you have a very fresh perspective. You have mm. you're like you're kind of new to the fandom, like just now, like within the past like two two to three year gap time period. Yeah, it was weird because like I I was part of I was I will simultan I was simultaneously like part of a growth for it. But also like before the really big growth period, because March to July 2020 was just a humongous growth period. Like after it went on Netflix was just this absurd growth period. But and it's weird because like I was obviously not an original watcher, not even close to original watcher. But I see I still feel felt like I was before the before it really got big, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, when when that Netflix thing happened, it just felt like I was doing episode after episode. Like I remember for yeah. solid, solid two months. Like, and then they did the uh, they did the uh, what was it the the table read, and then they did, and then Joel and Ken were doing their their podcast. Yeah, and there was just this huge influx of community content, and I kind of got swept up in that. Um, but the other thing too that is kind of interesting that it's kind of a recommendation, but I don't know if I don't know. I I don't think that many people do this other than me. But when I when I watch a show from like this time period, maybe you know oh seven to fifteen ish, is I go back and uh, as I'm like as I was watching the show, as I I would watch an episode and then I would read the AV Club review from the, for that episode. I yeah I used to do that all the time and I, that part of the reason why I followed community so closely was because I was reading the AV Club review. You know, that, yeah, and those are some great ones. Yeah, they, they have really good stuff in them. I can't remember who was the main writer for a lot of those, but yeah, I, I had a great time reading those. Um, I thought they did a good job summing up what might 
be considered some of the flaws of community as a TV show and as a production. Yeah, and and what and the part of the reason that I, I I say that those like spurred on the podcast was because I could read them and not get anything spoiled. <laughs> like I could, I because because yeah. the comment because because the the lot especially with the comments underneath because like who's gonna go to an old review and leave a comment from a review from five years ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like you could actually get a real pulse of like what people were thinking about it. Within a day or two, most of those are. Yeah, yeah. Were there particular episodes you latched onto in season one? In season one, the I think I already mentioned the the Christmas episode, right. but the uh, chi- the chicken fingers episode. Oh my god, I yeah. love the chicken fingers episode. That's my. That's that's a gotta be at least within a top five if there's ever <laughs> a full on top five like. Um, the the whole Scorsese like oh yeah my, yeah going through it that's so perfectly realized. Um, what, what else people uh, do fancy? Uh, obviously Modern Warfare. The uh, the debate episode. I mean, everyone says that one. Uh, introduction to film was really good. Yeah. I went back and watched that one recently, and I, I forgot how good it was. Because uh, it it set up so much. Uh, those truly, really... yeah, those truly were some cool Abed films. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and that was the first like really big pathos one. Oh yeah, it truly is. Like, um, I mean, I guess the first episode has like a big speech, but it's not like a big pathos. Yeah, it doesn't. Re- it doesn't have the big, the big More sledgehammer big. at the end that hits you. Yeah, yeah. Because the second episode is not 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 really. It's still pretty light. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Nobody's really like truly on board at that point. They're all just kind of going with it. Uh, yeah. Like commitment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think I think episode three too is when the, some of the critics started to be like, alright, this could be something special. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean obviously it was still too early to tell at that time. That's the one is, is it episode three or episode two that has that big argument between Donald and Joel where they're uh, talking about, like, uh, I can't I can't remember how the exchange goes, but it has, like, a joke where he's like, that's black, that's racist. Or, oh, that's six. Oh, that's six. Okay, I'm completely off, forgive me. So uh, three, three is introduction to film. That's when the Abba and his dad, right? Uh, and then... Six is, uh, I think it's football feminism, and you is the one where it's like Troy, uh, Troy being a, an athlete, athlete Troy. Yeah, yeah, they uh, played with that for a little while until they. Can... Yeah, yeah, it, it is interesting to see all the sort of conventional plot lines that kind of just dropped. <laughs> Are you a? Uh, were you ever a person that would have been into the idea of? Chevy and Donald being like paired up as buddies because they tried to do that but it never yelled. I think it would have been funny. <laughs> yeah, I think it would have been too. Like, what? I mean, I don't know. Maybe you, you could just say this is the element of my bias, but when I was a young guy, like, it really made me laugh. Like when he would do Shaft references. <laughs> like, like, yeah. What the hell else is this old guy going to fucking know? Like, how, how the hell else is he going to try and connect to a young black dude? I mean, he's a he's a funny guy. 
Yeah, yeah, I always uh, thought the writing was, like, I never, okay, there are definitely a few moments where the writing is completely unsympathetic towards Chevy's character, but I still thought, like, they were capable of finding funny moments between him and Donald's character. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, and uh, one of the one of the interesting things that, like, I've told people that are in, new to communities, like, when it first came out, Chevy was, like, number two on the promotional call sheet oh yeah yeah i mean he was the uh, big draw like on a certain yeah. level because he just had like such a high star power from the 80s and yeah i mean i don't know if he was getting the roles he was getting at one point but he had been an a-list actor <laughs> yeah and i don't know how many other people were really on the set you know, on the cast were A-list actors at that point, you know, to the point where Chevy had been. No, because Joel was 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 a nobody, pretty much. Gillian was nobody. Allison had done Mad Men at that point, so oh, she, yeah, she had. Donald just was wrote for Thirty Rock. Uh, Danny didn't do, hadn't done much. Um, if you, yeah, I guess Allison had maybe had more experience than a lot of other people because she had been doing Disney stuff as well around like before then, right? Oh, really? I'm pretty sure, yeah. I, I think she's in like Hannah Montana, and oh. I never, uh, I never cared for the Disney sitcoms. Were you ever <laughs> into those? Uh, there was a period where I, I would watch like, uh, I don't know if you heard of Good Luck Charlie, but. <laughs> I do remember that thing about the dog. No, like, no, no. Good luck, Charlie was... Uh... Oh, the baby. Yes. Okay, yeah, okay. Now I remember. Yeah, I never got around to that. Um, I guess when I was growing up, like when I was about 9 or 10, I used to watch Even Stevens. <laughs> if uh, you have any clue what that show is. <laughs> that one was a little before my time, I think. Yeah, yeah, and it wasn't great, but... Uh, it had Shia LaBeouf before he became a, a, a little out there. Uh, I hope he's doing. I hope he's being healthy. Is all I can say about Shia LaBeouf. Mm. Um, but I seem to have diverged from topic. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> um, how did you feel as the seasons went along, like, and you were doing the show? Uh, I mean, for for the podcast, I mean, it's just crazy <laughs> i mean it's because because the, the weird thing is like the the era where community was on you know 09 to, to 15 it's that weird intersection in between when networks were still king and but then social media was becoming a thing yeah you know so you had simultaneously this system that was you know more dominant in another time. I mean, I still like to watch network shows, but like, I know a lot of people just are all streaming now, but is, is, is simultaneously that old system mixed with sort of new age, you know, social media. And so you get this weird dynamic. And whereas before, you know, it was just, you know, networks were networks and, and everyone catered to networks and now it's, everything is streaming. And so as community was in that little transition period. So, 
you you got these crazy you got it, it was really perfect for what I was trying to do because you got these crazy you got these stories that are worth telling especially to to younger audiences about you know what Nielsen ratings are and and what upfronts are and how networks worked but then you also have the stories of but then you also have copious amounts of primary sources about tweets and and articles and reviews and and so it's really fun particularly to, particularly to explore you know that two year period where community was benched dan got fired chevy left dan got rehired and then they got picked up by yahoo so that was just a crazy stretch to look at yeah that that yahoo stuff was so confusing for uh, so many of us uh, <laughs> like cuz they were the first thing for that yahoo app right like they yep. were signed before it had even been released yeah that and i i think it might have been football i forget but yeah it was it was one of the first things and it kind of bankrupted them but <laughs> it, uh, yeah many shows do you think they even got off the ground i think they maybe had like four or five and then just done because they bankrupted out. <laughs> i mean yeah they did not have a good did not have a good plan. I mean, I guess, I guess it they it made sense what they were banking on, that you know the cult classic is going to become even cultier. But yeah, yeah, and uh, had Rick and Morty already started by that point? I'm pretty sure. Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't. Or, Rick and Morty came out the first, uh, at least the first episode came out in 2013. Yeah, are are you a Rick and Morty fan? If I may ask. Not really. I never really got onto it interesting uh i i enjoy rick and morty uh i i guess at one point i might have said i was more of a rick and morty <laughs> i guess i'll come around i i like community more uh rick and morty some, some of its flaws have been showing even worse than community in certain ways so it's kind of dulled <laughs> my my enjoyment of it still a great show i don't have any problem with it I'm happy to have another six seasons or so of that on the docket. Yeah. I'm forward to that. Um, is it is it like is it a very? Can you just can you tell the Dan Harmon influence on in in like as much as you can in Community? Oh yeah, and there are certain things that are just like Dan Harmon stock tropes that are right. Pretty in Community, like if you wanted bottle episodes, you could scour through. <laughs> and get some bottle episodes for yourself if you're wanting something different that is a community bottle episode still Dan <laughs> it, it, uh, yeah I mean it's good um, a lot of people think like the ticks and quirks of the first season are there throughout the entire run and they really start downplaying some of that like the, the belching sound effects and things like that they really start downplaying some of that <laughs> So it, it it does become easier to watch if that's a hard thing for people, or, you know, or for you to get into. Yeah. <laughs> is it on Netflix? I forget. I don't think so. It is on Hulu. I know that for. Oh, time. it's on Hulu. Okay, because I, I I I just got Netflix recently, so. And it is on HBO Max as well. Oh. Uh. Yeah, all the Adult Swim stuff is on HBO Max, which I'm a big fan of. I've been watching Winning Time on there. Do you have any idea? What oh, I've I've seen so many promos for that. Oh man, uh, it just rules. I love really? 
Oh man, I love it. It's so good. Uh, John C. Riley is one of my favorite actors, and this is like the role of a lifetime for him. Uh, do you have any idea about the Will Ferrell Adam McKay uh, feud that that's kind of been happening? Um, I guess not. <laughs> with respect to what? <laughs> um, to the show winning time. Oh, oh. No, I wait. Who does John C. Riley play? I'm trying to think of who he would even play. <laughs> play the guy that ends up buying the Los Angeles. Oh, oh. Over the franchise, and he's like the super. Um, uh, he's a socialite, you know, who hangs around L.A. He's very friendly with uh, all the Playboy people, mm. and he's like a real estate mogul before he takes over this whole thing. He sells off all his shit just to get the Los Angeles. Like, everything he is is in the Los Angeles Lakers. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I grew up watching... Uh, watching like ESPN 30 for 30 documentaries. Oh yeah. So I never really got, I never really found myself very attracted to like, you know, the fictionalized versions of things. I see. Of like my sports stories, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. I've seen so many ads for it. Yeah. It is very like sensational. Like it's very intense. Like in some of the subject matter (laughs) it deals with. So just a fair warning there, you know. I, I, I'm assuming you're a community fan, so I'm assuming you're not a prude. But I just wanted to get a fair warning there. Either way, it, it must be a, it must feel pretty good to be able to work with like some of the big names in the community podcasting group. You know, you know, just like getting into the show so late and getting your podcast kind of out there a little late. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was definitely really cool. Uh, I when I I, I sent out. I think I've shared on my, my Twitter feed a lot, but my uh, quote unquote after show is not really an after show. It's just like a companion thing I did with the show. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. Where I made where I, where I talked to the community podcasters about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My friend Kevin on great. Yeah. Yeah. How they did it. And yeah, that was really cool. When I sent out the like question of like, who wants to do this? I didn't expect so many people to say, yeah, sure. Uh, and there were actually a few people that unfortunately had some last minute issues. That, so we weren't able to get them on, but yeah, it was a, uh, it was really cool. That was a really cool afternoon. Uh, and they, rem- they, they remember so much, which I guess makes sense. Cause they make podcasts every week about it. But. <laughs> yeah. I will say community is like such a big part of my identity. Like as a young man, like, like I was in my first year of high school when it came out and like looking back on it, what I part of what I was doing through the show was seeing like how adult life might be <laughs> you know, 'cause I'm 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 just a young man, like I can only take in like others' experiences like vicariously because like I <laughs> you know, like I'm a, I'm a young kid. Anyways. No, I've I've certainly done that with with TV shows. Uh, I mean, because uh, I mean the first well the first ever show I I like adult show I watched was actually The Big Bang Theory, which is kind of interesting. Um, but because I I saw my dad watching it when I was like in sixth grade or something, and I just started watching it. 
And yeah, like I, I didn't get like half of the things or the, well, maybe two thirds of the things, but. Is that then, a show? Hmm? Sorry to interrupt you. I, I was just curious, like, is that a show you still enjoy as an adult? I would say so. I would say so. I think it gets a really bad, ra- an unfair rap. I mean, particularly yeah, my- among community fans, which I mean, now that I do now that I, when I did the podcast, I'm like, OK, I get why you hate it so much now. Uh because uh, yeah <laughs> my my dad is like a huge big bang theory fan and like there are funny things on it but there are also moments that just make me so angry like <laughs> like i'm amazed like with what some of the characters get away with it and like some of the liberties they take um yeah it does share some DNA with a TV show I like, like an older TV show I liked a lot called Roseanne. Like the, mm. the head guy of the Big Bang Theory, Chuck Lorre, he was a Roseanne writer. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't? Yeah, yeah. A lot of, a lot of Roseanne writers ended up becoming TV moguls. You can look mm. it up on your own. There's a lot of, a lot of dirt to dig up when you have an opportunity. It's fun. Yeah, I just know Chuck Lorre is like. Chuck Lorre in, in yeah, flashing Chuck lights. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh my god, the amount of money that guy has. Yeah, I know. Did you ever read the like little uh cards at the end of the big I never movie? read them. I I remember always seeing them, but I never actually like paused you know the what, TV and read them. Do you know what they are? Uh you know, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah. I just well, never well, read I, them. I mean like do you know like what they represent like oh at the end of the episode? That that's aging me, right? So no. <laughs> I'm just curious. Okay, um, I don't. I didn't. I'm not even a Big Bang Theory fan, but I picked this up from my dad. Apparently, that represents like all of Chuck Lorre's notes at the end of the production that he has, like at the end of the day, and they plaster it on there to just show you what his headspace is like at the end of every day. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't know. I thought. I assumed he just like wrote them after the like. They were just like random musings that he just wrote down like before he really he sent each episode to network or something but yeah yeah i think it's like whenever they like if i remember my dad correctly whenever they would finish an episode that was what he would write were his thoughts as they were going to be delivering it huh interesting yeah yeah Oh please! What were you uh, I was gonna say like one of the because because one of the things about the big bang theory that i always note is that like uh, like okay, so obviously there's there's the problematic things I didn't really pick up at the time because I was like twelve, but um the, the the stuff the 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 one criticism that I I sometimes like push back on was like this whole stuff about like um sort of like how it you know like makes fun of like quote unquote you know people like nerds or whatever, um which I totally see right um because it does to a certain extent. But also, like, as someone who never really was into, you know, like, comic books and superheroes and things, it was kind of, it kind of introduced me to it, you know? Yeah, yeah, I see how that would be beneficial for you. You're kind of getting the opportunity to see what the big nerd milestones are, you know, in the, in pop culture. I I see why you. Yeah, I mean, I I get that, like, you know, like, if, I'm sure if they did something about that with, like, you know, if someone was like making fun of, if there was a show that's like making fun of baseball all the time, I'd like not like it. But people who didn't know baseball might like it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, um, that's another thing about the Big Bang Theory. I've, I've really been into different like caches of nerd culture. So whenever, 
Like whenever I watch that show, I always feel like they have the basis, like so, yeah, <laughs> you know, comment on like they they just I don't know I never feel like I get the nerd culture that I've grown up with, right, right, cartoons and comic books and sitcoms as well. Like sitcoms have become nerd culture as well in a way that right. I didn't associate them with before because they've. They've fallen out of public favor generally compared to different types of TV shows that have been around on networks for the past few years. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is kind of weird even, like, because, I mean, I guess I've mostly, the my most of my existence has been in the post, you know, post-first Iron Man Marvel age. Oh, but, yeah. But, you know, it is, it is kind of interesting to see how, how prevalent all that is now. Are you a are you a fan of the MCU? I never really got into it, but uh, I think you know, just by being alive, I I, I know the gist. Yeah. <laughs> I I figured you would like gravitate to it a little bit, considering that there are so many community personnel work. Yeah, I, I guess I just never really got into it. I mean, I, I've seen all of the you know, I've heard all the cameos and stuff. Yeah. Um, I've always been a bigger fan of the comic books than most of the live action properties. Like the the current MCU, like they're doing an okay job, but it never feels as like psychedelic and weird as I'd like <laughs> it to be. So it's getting there. It's getting there. Is that, it getting uh, there? Yeah. Um all these uh Spider Man like alternate timeline things going down, like the No Way Home. I'm excited for the new Into the Spider Verse movie. That that should be wild because we're going to like in the new Into the Spider Verse, we're going to be going into all the different Spider Verse like alternate realities that are <laughs> littered about this like first property. Like so, we're going to be going to the world of Spider Noir and the world of uh, Peter Porker and all these different types of Spider Men that popped up nice. in the first Spider Man movie. Yeah. And like they're gonna have very distinct art styles. It, I, I'm a very visual person when I watch films, and that was a that was part of what attracted me to Community too, because it looked like no other sitcom when it came out. Like there was no sitcom with this type of lighting and staging, right? Like how many sitcoms yeah. do you see that look like this like all the time? <laughs> yeah, I mean, just when I when I went back the the. First time I rewatched it, I'm not really much of a rewatcher. I think I've only rewatched Community like in like from front to back. I think I've only rewatched it I think once, but like I've done little spurts, you know, throughout the last couple of years. But when I went back and watched season two, just the density of crazy st- or actually season three especially the the density of like con of um of concept episodes in season three is just you know crazy. <laughs> Totally, totally. What's your uh, favorite high concept episode in season three? You, you know, it's tricky because my favorite my favorite episodes that I like to say are the are the bottle ones. Uh, the high concept ones. I mean, I really like pillows and blankets. <laughs> I think part of it was because like a, a lot of the time the the concept episodes were sort of lost on me because I'm not much of a pop culture fiend. Okay. So like a lot of the concept episodes were lost on me. Uh, but Pillows and Blankets was, was one that I really liked. Um, yeah, uh, I always, like, when I first uh, got around to seeing that, 
I love the idea that would just keep branching out across the school. Yeah. And it would become this massive thing that they'd have to trans- transverse. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, commitment to the bit is always funny, and that's, you know. Yeah, yeah, and that's part of what makes the show so funny is that they'll just, like, be so natural about introducing a ridiculous bit. Uh, one of my favorite gags is the Jack Black episode where, uh, <laughs> okay, they have him going out of the episode, and it's like, he, he says something like, everything's just going to be nor, and they, like, cut the... Yeah, they interrupt with the title sequence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's one of my favorite gags. Yeah, the- yeah, I like that one, too. Um, were you... Are you surprised by the guest stars that pop up like when you go through that community? I mean, uh, going back and through it, it's certainly interesting. Like, uh, like John Oliver being such a prominent part uh, was was a was a surprise and quite quite funny. Because I feel yeah. like a lot of people, a lot of a lot of people who are younger know him as the well, who are really young know him as the Daily Show slash Last Week Tonight guy. Right, seeing him on scripted television uh, was kind of a delight. Are you a fan of the Duncan character? Oh yeah, yeah, he's hilarious. I uh, I love how unfiltered he is for a psychologist. Like he yeah. understands like all the psychological issues, but yet he'll he'll still say things that are just completely fucked up. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, John um, Oliver has great line readings too. <laughs> Oh yeah, totally. He's a he's he's so solid in his line readings. His a his own show is one of the better late night shows out right now. Yeah, although the I I was I was like briefly watched it a lot like in high school at uh at one point I watched a lot, but at a certain point they like two thirds of their jokes are just similes. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> so I got kind of bored of it. I haven't watched it for a minute. I must admit, I don't. Uh, I don't know. I'm not like not a rabid fan of his. I think he's a you know fine performer and comedian, no doubt. I don't have any issue with him. Uh, I haven't found too many issues with him. His his show seems to have a lot of great information and talking points on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, his show is definitely one of the more cited by news news websites. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, you were you were talking. We were talking. So sorry. I, I I was hoping my throat would would feel a little better. I'm just uh, trying to collect myself. Papa Claritin. Uh, I have no such thing around me. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I'd have to go two miles into town to get a Claritin, but I, I'm not going to do that at this point. <laughs> okay. We uh we were talking earlier a little bit about how the show isn't like a squeaky clean. It doesn't present a version of reality that is incredibly scrubbed of like uh, gray morality. How do you uh how do you feel about some of the like things that happen in the show and how they handle like some of the more outlandish premises? You know, like when uh, Annie and Troy like end up drugging that one security guard and then everything that erupts from that, you know, there's that, that walks the fine line for some people, you know what I'm saying? Like when you're, <laughs> when you're putting chloroform into people, you know what I'm saying? Like, how do you feel like 
about the characters after they go through such things. Like, because I always think, like, I still feel okay about the characters on the whole because they seem to react more from, like, fear <laughs> or excitement than they do, like, malice or yeah. like, hate, you know. They seem to react from confusion or anxiety more than <laughs> actual malice or ill will. Yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting point. I mean, well, the chloroform scene I feel like is one of the more, one of the more gift ones. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's weird. I mean, it's it's kind of different for me because like, I'm watching these shows a decade after they aired. So it's not like anything I say will have much impact at this point or think will have much impact at this point. I don't know. I, I, I guess I generally give sitcom characters more slack than real people. Cause you know, they're sitcom characters and a lot of it is just for the sake of the joke. But, uh, I mean, I don't, uh, I guess it's kind of case by case, but. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a part of what helps community play as well as it does because like it actively, pokes at itself being a sitcom and is very meta about it being like a TV show with Ovid. Yeah. I yeah. think that's part of it like helps the outlandish elements sell. Um, yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, one of the shows that I just finished watching was um was Scrubs. <laughs> oh, has... oh big Scrubs fan. Or I used to be back in the day. I haven't watched it a lot in a while. Yeah. By the way, John C. McGinley has the best line readings I've ever, ever oh seen. Oh <laughs> my god, this is that is literally the guy I would watch the show for. And then like as I got like I guess I watched it pretty heavily for about five years, like on TV, because it was just always on TV at some point. Like I could watch it like really? two or three times a night in syndication <laughs> where I lived. Like, from about 2009 to 2015, I could just watch it anywhere and everywhere, it seems. <laughs> so I went through a lot of scrubs, and John C. McGinley was the main reason why. <laughs> yeah, Johnny C. is just... I've I've tried to imitate his, like, you know, he, his elongation of words before, and it's it's just... I can hear his voice in my head. It's so funny. Yeah, I uh, I also love his like Kurt yells newbie like yeah <laughs> yeah yeah Barbie yeah <laughs> oh yeah Barbie is always great too <laughs> yeah I know uh, do you feel a lot of parallels between Scrubs and Community I I mean to an extent I mean you can kind of see how Scrubs influenced every other show that came after it. <laughs> I, I do feel a lot that like Scrubs is kind of proto community because it, yeah. it will still have outlandish stuff that isn't based on, um, you know, like uh, uh, thought bubbles or whatever they call that technique where talking they, heads. Yeah, a dream sequence or something like oh, that. Oh, fantasy sequence. Yeah, like right. yeah, the fantasy sequence. Okay. Yeah, like they'll 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 still have outlandish stuff happening even when they don't have like a fantasy sequence and it. Like some, there are some portions of the that show that just feel very modern. Modern, like <laughs> at least my memories are. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, not not even just for like obviously for for smaller things like Community, but even what the the piece of sitcom math that came into my head when I watched Scrubs was um, how I met your mother as the sum of friends and Scrubs. <laughs> uh. 
That's a that's not a bad idea. Um, are you a Friends fan as well? Uh, I enjoyed it. I watched it like about a year ago. I enjoyed it a lot more than I was expecting to, actually. That's uh, that's good to hear. I can't say I've ever had a whole lot of time into it. I can't say I've felt terribly rewarded by the time I've put into it. But I'm glad you had a good <laughs> experience with it. At least. I think I'm just. I think I just like big punchlines. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of how all a sitcom is, right? Like, yeah. A sitcom lives and dies by its big punchlines. Yeah. But thankfully, the uh, community never runs out of those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Usually. Um, are you a defender or uh, do you hate season four? You want you seem to enjoy it, like on the whole. Well, I yeah, I yeah, I have. I mean, you can tell it was different but at this point it's kind of hard to tell how much of my uh, thoughts about season four are my actual thoughts and how much of it are just molded by watching so much discourse happen around it you know what i mean (laughs) yeah um i i ended up watching a lot of season four after it had been broadcast like a year or two after it had been broadcast because i just wasn't i wasn't able to watch very much tv at that point in my life i just mm-hmm. had a whole bunch of other things going on and i never knew when the hell it was on because nbc was screwing up all the run times yep and changing everything so i never knew when the hell it was on so i couldn't even support this thing that i'd been watching from the very beginning um that was always incredibly frustrating <laughs> yeah uh, yeah um anyways like I think by the point I had actually seen season four, I had been reading reviews because I couldn't get a hold of season four. Right. And then when I saw it, like I would just see all the problems and I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. forget about it, you know. And there is a lot good about it. Like I think I think there's still plenty of good work going on. And I'm a I, I like her story of dance. Uh yeah, yeah. I mean, the two ones that everyone says that are are good and I agree with are Hershey Dance and the uh, Freaky Friday one. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I also am a defender of a uh, uh, conventions of time and space. Oh, yeah. I didn't really have a special connection to that one, but I can I can see it. I uh, I don't like Doctor Who, but I don't think the show likes Doctor Who either. <laughs> So it like I think that that episode is very funny because it feels like it's pandering to all the things that I don't like about Doctor Who and making fun of it because it doesn't like Doctor Who either. Yeah, I I grew I actually grew up around people who are like huge Doctor Who people. Oh, but, or, or or some of my like uh, one of my extracurriculars I used to do when I was younger the, the people I did it with they just like lived and died with it and i was just like i kind of was just aloof i was just like okay yeah yeah and uh when when that episode came out doctor who had had a revival like they'd had a oh. new series going i think they'd already had like three or four seasons of that new series and that had brought up the doctor who fan base again so right. i know exactly what you're talking about i know these i know some people that are so into doctor who and i just Okay, I I can't I can't like judge these people because I'm a Loop on the Third fan, and there's just so much Loop on the Third. Like, there's more Loop on 
<laughs> There's more Lupin the Third than any one person should ever ingest. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, like I, I've never been able to like get myself into the series. So to watch these, uh, to watch these people writing this episode, where it it feels like they don't enjoy the series and they don't understand the yeah. deal of it, and they make yeah. everything look as cheap and shitty as possible, <laughs> it, it really resonated with me. Yeah, yeah, and I think is that the episode where they have the cold open, where like, where they do the uh, Britta is escaping from the apartment yes. in the morning. Yeah. Yes. Thought that was pretty inventive oh yes um and i think yeah i i think that's really funny um <laughs> i also uh, think it just doesn't abed like at the end of that just kind of admit that he already yeah yeah it. yeah like, <laughs> i mean that's that that's classic sketch writing <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's really good yeah um, <laughs> well alex uh, it seems we're at the end of our time here for tonight it's been a pleasure having you around um where can we find your your stuff at? Uh, yeah, so podcasts available on all podcast platforms. It's called The Story of Community. Um, my website, since I'm too cheap to buy a custom domain, is uh, bit.ly slash the story of community. Uh, Twitter at story of C-O-M-M pod. Uh, also on Twitter, I'm doing a uh, re-listen starting uh, i don't actually know when this is gonna drop but now uh <laughs> well i'm just re-listening and then commenting on on the episodes that i made so uh yeah if you uh i don't know might be interested in that just follow me um but yeah uh thanks for having me on uh robbie this was a lot of fun yeah thanks for coming on alex uh, i really appreciate you bearing with me for any technical difficulties we might have had I had a really good conversation with you. Yeah, I mean the the community community podcast community is is nothing but amazing. So any capacity, I, I'd love to be a part of. Wonderful. Hey, it was a pleasure having you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you.